My career sucks. Sex just isn't the same. What's my purpose? Where did this fat come from? My relationship is killing me. I'll never be happy. My debt is piling up. I'll never find love. Why can't I be like other gay guys? Hey guys, it's time to get a grip, stop whining, make a bold move, and do something amazing with your 40-plus gay life. Let's get to the show with your tell-it-like-it-is host, Rick Clemens, who does his best to never act like a dick or a diva unless you act like one first. All right, men, you are 40-plus, and you've got it all going on. You know where you're going. You know what life's all about. Oh, but then there's this crazy little pebble in the shoe or in your conscious or in your brain that's like, no, but you haven't dealt with this. You haven't dealt with this trauma. You haven't dealt with it. And then everything gets screwed up. Well, you're not alone. I'm just saying you're not alone because many of us have trauma we haven't dealt with, whether it's our coming out process or some of the ways we were raised around religion and stuff, or maybe you lost somebody in your life and you never really processed that. Or as we're aging, there's new things that show up. There could be trauma about medical issues and everything that are around the bend, or maybe losing a partner. Well, today we want to dive in with a, a trauma expert and really talk about this stuff and let you know you are loved and you're loved right where you're at in this process of dealing with your trauma. His name is Jason Galvez. He's well, he's got masters and all this sort of stuff. I mean, that's why I call him the expert. And I told him, I said, You're gonna take the show, man. I'm not gonna do shit once I say, Hey, welcome to the show. But um, anyway, welcome to the show, Jason. I'm excited to have this conversation with you. Thank you, Rick. I really appreciate your time. Um, <clears throat> and just an FYI, the only thing I'm an expert in is failure, but I'll try it everything else. Well, there um, you go. We're gonna have our your own little trauma session around your own failures then here on the show, right now, live. Here yeah, sometimes go. I I feel I need to call myself. Um, and I'm not really over 40. I'm 25. I just told you I'm over. 40. Oh yeah. Well, um, you know, whatever bitch I'm looking at you on camera. I'm like, I oh, know he's, he's, he's also, he's, I have to confess. I'm not gay. My husband is, but I'm not. Mm. So that's how we're going to play. It's all going to be like a lots of, you know, what is, what is the thing about facts that a certain past president said, uh, you know, um, anyway. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna spend the whole hour doing what I advise my clients not to, and that's blame and point and finger point. Exactly. Um, but that's where we go with trauma and stuff. And some of it's is. justifiable, but you know, at some point you gotta move. Okay, I'm 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 gonna take that word back. You don't gotta move. At some point you can move beyond this if you choose to do it in the right way. So that so their their yeah. voice was Rick's therapy voice that just kicked in. I don't know where the hell that thing came from, but um. All right. Anyway. Well, send me your car- uh, calendar because I might need some therapy. There no, you, you know, first of all, I just want to say, um, trauma is not what uh, happens to us; it's how our body responds to it. So you and I could be walking down the street and see a car accident, and uh, I could be traumatized, and you don't. Not, you're not traumatized. And um, trauma happens a lot depending on our resiliency, our support system, our foundation when we were younger. Um, it's a big, the trauma world is really big. Now, I my niche or niche or however you pronounce that word is betrayal trauma. That's my specialty. Mm. So I am a betrayal trauma practitioner. So 90% of my clients um, are couples. And they're dealing with some type of betrayal within their relationship. However, <clears throat> betrayal trauma can come from any primary attachment. That's a parent, a child, could even be your boss. Um, certainly a spouse, partner, significant other. Um, could also be God. Um, and it can be actually yourself. You know, I talk to many people who are like, you know, um, I, I, I did my exercises. I did my yoga. I prayed. I drank my shakes. I'm healthy. And I was still diagnosed with breast cancer. I feel like my body betrayed me or my creator betrayed me. So there's a lot to do with trauma. Um, and uh, there's explicit and implicit trauma. So a lot of people listening might say, well, nothing ever happened to me. Well, what's interesting is that our hippocampus forms at about the age of four. So if we have trauma before the age of four, that's implicit trauma. What's happening is that our body remembers the trauma, but logically we don't. And mm-hmm. so, like I said, the trauma world gets very, very deep and vast. And um, sometimes you really have to work with a client to, to see um, if there is trauma, um, what type of trauma, or simply did they have a trauma-inducing event? Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, so like, I, I mean, there's really just the, 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 the base for this is wide. It really yep. is. Well, it is. And someone who has worked with this a lot in my own life, 
even okay so i'm gonna i'm gonna kind of go some true confessions here so two things you brought up already like took me there so one i was walking to go pick up my car from the car repair shop the yesterday literally and i kind of took a back way like hey let's make this an exercise walk let's just go right i came around the corner and i saw there was a big accident right at a main intersection pretty close to where i was about to pick up my car fire trucks ambulances i walk I, I i did the casual like bystander look and then i kept going and i thought huh i just kind of walked past that and like you know whatever not really whatever but observed let's say that i observed and i kept moving on right well you know everybody else was like stuck because first they couldn't get through the intersection and when I came home and I told my husband that, hey, this is what happened. He's like, really? How bad was it? I'm like, I don't know. I just noticed. He goes, well, did you not pay attention? I'm like, I did. But I'm like, you know, I noticed there was an accident, but I didn't want to be one of those gawkers. So I think that's a good example of I could witness that. Somebody else could be sitting there in a car with and they're having a huge reaction to this because of something that may have happened to them, right? So two days prior to that, I'm spending the weekend with my parents, who I haven't seen in a couple of years. And I thought, well, this is going to be interesting because they tend to bring up a lot of stuff that I react. Trauma shows up. Mm -hmm. Before they got there, I thought, okay, I'm not going to limit my emotions, but I'm also going to try to be very self-aware as we go through this weekend and like see what I can see. I'm so fucking glad I did that because not once, not once. Did they get under my skin? Because I was very present and aware, like, okay, if this sort of thing gets said, then I know that's what triggers me into like feeling less than. I always have this little boy, 59 years old, I still can be the little boy. Did y'all hear that? At 59 years old, you can still be the little boy. Just letting y'all know that. But um, it is interesting because as you said, the betrayal comes from a lot of different places. And sometimes oh, yeah. we don't oh, yeah. we don't realize that. Yeah. Now what's interesting now, see, so I'm, so a part of me is trying to talk to you right now on a cool friend level, but while you're talking, the practitioner in me kicks in. So I'm well, really go be practitioner wait. and friend. I know, I, I'm I know, totally I'm cool with that. I'm trying not so. to be because a part of me is wondering, okay, did you walk by that accident because of dissociation or because of resilience or because, you know, and I'm trying to, you know, mm -hmm. now I'm interested in asking you some questions, which I'm yeah, not yeah. going to do right now. But um, but it's interesting you say that because I used to live in Manhattan and twice I was there for a couple of years and twice um, uh, I got off the subway where literally, well, one person was like just murdered like two minutes beforehand. Mm. So all blood out there, whatever. And the doors open and everybody is running around, you know, guarding around and taking pictures and stuff. And I get out and I look at it and I keep walking, you know, and I think um, because sometimes if you are. If you marinated in trauma in your in your childhood, yep. you either build up a resistance, a tolerance, a dissociation, a something. So it's very uh, crucial to get to know what one of those armors did you put on or lack of. And I think I'm hoping, I'm praying all the work that I did was just like, okay, that happened. Yes, it's an, a trauma inducing. Yes, it's traumatic. I'm not going to allow it to affect me though. Mm -hmm. um, and I just kept walking. So it was interesting, you know, when you said that, because it brought me back to a time in New York. Well, for me, I, I know part of the answer to that question. So we can, I, I'm not, I'm totally cool with kind of dissecting this a little bit. <laughs> I have been involved in accidents like that as well as been part of the team that helped in accidents like that get people through so there is a resilience that's there that I, i've been through this i don't enjoy like the gawker stuff i mean i will look even on a freeway i'll kind of quickly look but i'm like hey there's <laughs> if i look too long i could cause the next thing that It'll would be, be right yeah. And I think it was different because I was walking. Now, if I'd been in a car, I probably would have been like, okay, now I'm annoyed and pissed off and da, 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 right. But I would have had the compassion because then I would have seen it, you know, but it, you're right. There is some resilience there. I've been through some pretty traumatic events and um, I think I can observe and come from a place of, oh, gratitude, thankfulness, concern that I don't have to be right in it, so to speak. Now, it also mm -hmm. happens to be, <laughs> it also happens to be a street corner where I'm like, and I don't know because I didn't pause. I couldn't really see. There were so many cars and so many fire trucks and ambulances. But that's a street corner where I ride my bike all the time. And the way I saw that 
I believe somebody was on a bike and got hit because I saw the car in the middle of the intersection, but there were no other cars. I did see another truck kind of down the street a little bit that was pulled over, but I'm like, I almost feel like it could have been a bike accident. So that could be why I'm like, let's keep going too. Cause I'm like, I ride through that same intersection all the time. I hate that intersection because most drivers are not as cognizant of us cyclists as they should be. So lots of stuff we're unpacking there. So, um, oh, interesting yeah. yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So just out of curiosity, any reason your hubby didn't go with you to visit your parents? No, he, he was here with us. No, they came to visit oh, okay. us. So they were here all weekend. So, um, no. oh, okay. Yeah, they okay. were here. Yeah. Um, but no, it was, it was an interesting, it was an interesting experience of being with them. We hadn't seen them in a couple of years and they tend to trigger in some ways that are not super healthy. And I decided no matter what, well, okay, let's, so let's really unpack. And it was the first time I was seeing my ex-wife in about six years. So it was like, okay, the whole thing. And the last time I got really triggered by my parents was because of a situation where they and my ex-wife were like buddy, buddy. And I'm like, great. So I'm just dog meat here. Right. <laughs> so I was like, okay, I'm preparing for all this. My husband's like, well, how are you going to handle this? I'm like, uh, it's, this this is nothing to do with me this weekend. It's our daughter's engagement party. I am going to pack it away and do my best to avoid the scenarios and everything. And it was interesting because I actually did exactly that. And I didn't feel like I was like, hold it together, hold it together, hold it together. I'm like, no, I don't want this to be that thing that a year or two years from now, I look back and go, oh my gosh, I blew a stack at my daughter's engagement party. You know, I didn't want that yeah. because that adds trauma to trauma. So, oh yeah, oh yeah, yeah. Uh, how do you feel about becoming a um, a father-in-law? Love it, love it, love him. Really? I just he's a, such a great guy. He has been around now for five years, and even the first time I met him, and this, some people are gonna go, yeah, right. I'm like, no. Even the first time I met him, I just there was a sense that I'm like, hmm. I think this could be that guy, you know, I didn't like the one before. Yeah. So to, well, yeah. she knows yeah. my daughter knows that, <laughs> but well, um, I'm going to tell you something. Just, uh, I think that that gay men have a super powerful intuition mm -hmm. because we had to rely on our intuition all of our life. It's one of the things that yep. kept us safe. So yeah, I think absolutely. a lot of gay men, this is my own little personal thought theory. A lot of gay men have a really fine-tuned intuition because mm -hmm. that kept us uh, in survive survival mode for a lot of times. Um, a lot of us, not all of us, yeah. um, growing up. So, yeah. But no, don't I, you I think, too, the intuition piece, though, is something that it can sometimes cause some trauma, too. Like, okay, I have this intuition, so now I'm not going to do anything. Now I'm not going to do Even though it's like, okay, but this is telling you that this is your truth here. And sometimes I know I've let my intuition tell me something, and then I'm like, well, then don't, 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 don't do this. And then I'm like, well, now I'm causing some trauma just by holding on to like, don't do it, which really I just need to like, okay, so that's what it's telling me. Now let's see what happens here. Yeah. Well, uh, I have to dissect your definition of trauma because I'm, I don't, you're, I'm not sure uh, if I'm picking up what you're putting down as far as the definition of trauma, but let me just say this. Uh, and this is where, um, based on my studies and my work, Mm -hmm. What I have found that usually when it's intuition, it yep. doesn't feel right initially. Mm -hmm. yep. um, but then when you act on it, everything falls into place. Yep. And usually when it's a decision based on your mind or your heart, it feels right initially, but then everything falls out of place if you act on it. So you really have to be fine tuned into your intuition mm -hmm. to understand, oh, to understand, okay, this doesn't feel right. But I, but I know it is right yes. because that's, that, that's my relationship I have with my intuition that I've fine tuned it all my life. So, so that can trip people up. Well, it can trip people up. And I know my intuition always serves me. It always good or bad. When I get that hit, it is, it is truly rare that it, yeah. it, it takes me astray. And even, even if it's like, okay, well, here we go. I don't, I may not like it, but here we go because I feel it so intuitively. 100%. I, I trust it at this stage. Yeah. I didn't used to, and now I do, you know, and I think it was my own coming out process when I finally took that intuitive, intuitive hit 
okay, yes, I spent a night with a guy in a hotel. So that was like, okay, yep, this one was really, yep, okay, we are coming out. I knew intuitively like this was the moment. This is when this is all unpacking. And and it was like a 12-hour flight from London home to LA to you know see my wife and say, this is the truth here. But man, that intuition was so deep. Up until that point, I was scared to death. To that point, and I think it was partially the guy that, I mean, anybody who's listened to this knows the story. Like, you know, there wasn't any sex that night. We just spent the night together. And that was the whole new reveal. Like, oh, this can happen. And it isn't like, wham, bam, thank you, sir. You know, it can actually be something more. I think that intuition with some validation from that experience moved me forward in a huge way. Interestingly enough, since we're talking about trauma, I also felt a whole lot of interesting trauma now that i can look back on that being removed simultaneously because there was so much stuff about you're still going to go to hell and all this sort of stuff like oh wait this feels really great and this feels loving this feels connected this feels like deeper than wham bam thank you sir and so suddenly other stuff lifted off yeah you know, I just want to say uh, a, a couple of things. In uh, I, I always say our our brain can uh, deceive us and our heart can manipulate us, but our intuition just simply is. It goes on fact. Now, listen, all fact does not feel good. Sometimes fact doesn't feel good, but it's simply fact. So it's 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 there's no false about it. There's no untruth. Our, logically, we like to talk ourselves out of things. And, you know, all of a sudden when we feel butterflies in the pink cloud phases, our, our heart can really manipulate right. us into danger. Our intuition doesn't play games. It's like, this mm. is this is pretty much what it is. So, you yep. you know, I'm, I'm telling you. But what we like to do is we like to uh, then get our logic involved. Well, no, that, let me, you know, he's really cute or he did this or he's going to get better. Or, you know, I feel so, you know, blah, blah, blah. But you know what's interesting? So listen, I always say, that we have to heal our traumas when we're younger. And even if we don't have traumas, we have to heal whatever hurts we have when we're younger. Because what happens is that whatever tools we use to heal us from our hurts or our traumas, we actually put on that armor. When we get older, we don't need that armor anymore. But here's the problem, Rick. So many times people lived with that armor for so long it becomes a part of who they are. Yes. Then they present themselves to the world as this is who I am. And it's not who you are. It's who you've become because of that armor. You can take that armor off. So when you just said you're at a point where you can take some of this trauma, that was you taking the armor mm-hmm. off now. You, mm-hmm. can, you can now be your authentic self. Yeah. And um, I'm so glad to hear that. That's wonderful. Well, and I see this all the time in my practice because a majority of the people that I work with are guys 35 on up who are coming out of the closet later in life, been in a heterosexual relationship. And you're right. It's this, when I say, so what if you just didn't perceive yourself that way anymore? That's a removing some trauma. Like what if you could see yourself fully present as a gay man? Well, I can't. I'm like, well, you, (laughs) you can, you just don't want to right now, you know? But it is an interesting piece of trauma and all this sort of stuff. And it's interesting, Jason, to see when that intuition hits them. There's always, and I, it's different for every guy, but that intuitive yeah. hit happens. And then suddenly they're like, oh, yeah. In fact, I was literally having a, a conversation with a client this morning. And he said, I don't know. I just don't, you know, at 58 years old, I just... I I can't see myself moving beyond this, but I'm so ready to move beyond it. And I said, so what if you took that costume? I used costume, not armor. I said, what if you took that costume off and you were wearing a different costume on stage? That's really you. Now, why did I use that metaphor with him? Because he's an actor. So I'm like, okay, let's dial into what I know they can relate to, right? Man, the light bulb went off. It's like, oh, wow. I said, what if the role you're playing isn't the role you're meant to be? And it was huge because yes, there's still some stuff he's got to go. We got to go work through. Right. But it's interesting to watch people and the stuff that holds them back, which is a part of some trauma too. Like whatever's holding you back, there's something in there. It's the nugget in, you know, the rock pebble in the shoe sort of thing. Right. 
And I held a lot of stuff in like guilt and shame, guilt and shame, guilt and shame. Well, why? <laughs> because I was told if you do this, you're going to hell. You're, like many of us who came out of the closet, we were told that, right? Um, so it's just interesting to watch us travel through all this stuff. So I'm curious, why did you decide to focus on trauma and betrayal? There's got to be a story behind this. Well, yeah, I mean, you know, certainly one doesn't go into my field <laughs> without there's uh there's no substitute for experience. But long story short, I um uh my father, a couple I was very close with my dad. I was very close with my dad. And um about two years ago, um he died abruptly. And when I mean abruptly, I mean I was on the phone with him laughing, telling jokes one day, and four days later we we're lowering his body into the ground. Mm. And that that traumatized me. And um, there, there was no time to process it. There was no time to, you know, um, I'm not going to say somebody whose parents who are slowly dying of cancer over 12 months is easier. I'm not saying that. It's just that it was whiplash. Mm -hmm. And um, three days after that, I woke up at three o'clock in the morning um having a panic attack panic attack now i've never had a panic attack before as a matter of fact people would talk to me about panic attacks and i would play them down but mm -hmm. boy will i never do that again a panic attack is no joke it feels like you're having a heart attack and you're dying but here's what was interesting rick i woke up from having a panic attack in bed and i smelled smoke now i have young kids i have a six-year-old and 11 year old and at the time there were you know four and nine or ten so I got up out of bed and I tried to find the origin of the smoke. Um, I went into my kitchen, no smoke. I went into my living room, no smoke. I went to the, my, I even opened up the door to see if my neighbors were barbecuing or something. I try as I may, I could not find the origin of the smell of smoke. And I went everywhere and there was just no smoke at all. And I was like, okay, that's interesting. So I went back in bed, Rick, but the second my head hit the pillow, I immediately was transported to when I was six years old, standing next to my mother, who was wailing and crying because we just pulled into our house after being gone a weekend, mm. and we only saw our chimney standing. Everything else was burned down to a crisp. Wow. So what happened was my father's death brought up a lot of unhealed childhood trauma. Mm. And so I had to go on a long, deep journey of, of unveiling all of this trauma and working on it. And in doing so, I mean, I, when I tell you hook, line and sinker, I was living and breathing and eating trauma. And finally, I got involved with this group and um, who, who I got involved with it so they can help me out with trauma. But I was winding up helping other people more than I was getting out of it. And so finally, the, the CEO of the group reached out to me and said, I see how you are with everybody here. I'd love if you wanted to go through the process of becoming a certified uh, trauma practitioner. Um, so you can actually, I can hire you and you can work at this group. Mm. And I said, okay, sure. So I went through the process of being a certified betrayal trauma practitioner. Um, and then, because before this, I was a, um, intrapersonal relationship coach. So I would help people with the relationship right. they had with themselves. Cause I'm a firm believer that the relationship you have with yourself sets the tone and standard for all other relationships around you. But now after doing this, now it's now like, um, I mean, I'm not trying to, uh, pat myself on the back at all, but I'm booked out like three months. Um, that's how much, that's how big this, and it's kind of sad. I mean, I'm glad in one hand that I'm working. I'm very sad that I'm booked out that I don't, I hate it when people have trauma because it affects every, it, it affects your mind, body, and soul. Absolutely. Trauma. Anyways. So, so, um, I'm not, I'm going to save you all the gory details of my childhood, but I marinated in trauma as mm. a child. Mm -hmm. I just marinated. Um, and that really, um, affects you in so many ways, yes. so many ways. So yeah. it was uh, a long process. And, you know, some professionals can say you can heal from trauma. I like to think that you are on a forever journey of healing um, from trauma. Um, I and agree. I'm fine with that. I totally agree. I I mean, like you, I had a very tumultuous trauma filled child, which I think a lot, <laughs> a lot of people have. I mean, no. And if you say, oh, no, I never had any trauma. I'm like, well, really? <laughs> Let's go dissect yeah. that one, right? Yeah, um, yeah. It could be the less of two evils trauma. It could yeah. be, exactly. But I, I also know that without that trauma, I don't think I could be on the journey I am right now. 100%. 
you know, and interesting, your story aligns a lot with mine where I, you know, was going through some big upheavals. So right after the coming out, I'm like, okay, well come out, change jobs in that job, then get, get laid off from that job. Like five years later, I'm like, okay, all this is unraveling. Like something keeps telling me I'm not supposed to be doing what I'm doing. I had already started working with a coach and Basically, they're like, you really should be doing coaching. You're really good at this. Da, 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 da. I'm like, yeah, whatever. I don't have enough. You know, I don't want to run my own business. Uh, my God, I got to get certified. I don't have that money. Of course, all those are all <laughs> messages from trauma in my childhood. Of, we don't have yeah, money. We're always going to be poor, blah, yeah. blah, 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 blah. Right. Uh, so interesting. Like, that's how I even got into this work, too. It's like I finally said, OK, you know what? Yeah, I'm going to do this. I'm going to figure it out. And even through the coaching certification, even though trauma isn't a big focus on that, it does come up. It comes up like you're going to deal with some people's trauma and stuff. I found myself leaning in and not only doing a lot of self-work, but like when I was working with my coach, I want to work on this. I'm like, and I know you're not a therapist, so if that doesn't fit, let's not go there. But uh, it really helped me to start to see and identify when I can quote spot trauma coming, you know, even this weekend, I would say being ready with my parents and going, this is, I could spot trauma coming only kind of like drama coming if I let it in, you know? And I think this is the power when we step into these kind of spaces of like, okay, when we can recognize it and we have that self-awareness and we can do that, then you can literally stand in this place and go, number one, you're not alone. Number two, there's a right way to be here and to embrace it so that you, and I'm going to kind of go to the, you know, your, your book, the children's book about you being loved right where you are and healing from tears to the transformation. What is the biggest thing that you feel like most people initially deny about their trauma? Okay. Well, first of all, I'm going to, let me tell you something very quickly. There's what's called betrayal um, uh, um, blindness. Betrayal blindness is a part of our fight or flight nervous system. And it's actually meant to help us. Um, but I believe it, it ultimately hurts us. Mm. So basically betrayal blindness is this. Remember little red riding hood? She, uh, you know, well, let's just say she was home under quarantine because of COVID. So right. she couldn't leave her house. So she's home for 18 months, two years, and man, she misses her grandma so bad. She misses her grandma so bad that the minute the COVID restrictions were lifted, she's baking banana bread and chocolate chip cookies and oatmeal, this and that. And she's trudging through the dangerous forest because she has blinders on. I want to see my grandma. I miss my grandma. Well, she opens the door to grandma's house and what happens? Her intuition tells her something. Her intuition tells her something's off, yep. but... She has betrayal blindness. Betrayal blindness is blinders on. I want to see my grandma. And this is what's interesting. Little guy riding hood knew something was off because when she went in the back in the bedroom, she said, Grandma, why are your eyes so beady and your mouth is so long and your, your teeth are so whatever? Right. She knew something was wrong, but yet she wanted to believe what she wanted to believe so badly. She talked herself into it. Well, obviously it was to her detriment because, you know, she got eaten. And this is what happens a lot of times. When people um, finally come to me, which by the way, by the time people come to me, so much more additional damage is done, which yep. I can get into if we have time later. But when people come to me, one of the things that I work on them is to um, help them understand what betrayal blindness is and why they did it and why we do betrayal blindness is because a lot of times something in our gut tells us something is off. Something tells, mm -hmm. okay, something's off. Like they're, yep. they're talking differently. They're walking differently. They're showering. I mean, like our intuition is so in tune. It's not funny, Yep. but we want to believe so bad. And we, I'm Italian. Sorry. So once my hands get going, That's okay. we want to believe so badly in, in the belief that we have that we completely are blind to anything else. Mm -hmm. Now here's, here's why we do that. Because if we were to investigate, if we were to get clarity on our intuition and delve into the reality, then if we did find out something was going on, there would be a bomb that exploded in our um, lives. So let me give you an example. You go into the glove compartment and, you know, you see a condom, you know, and you see a condom and you, and, and your body knows what's going on, but all of a sudden your mind says, 
I think he gave his co- coworker a ride and his coworker must have just left it in his, you know, right. glove compartment. And all of a sudden we start, our mind gets in the way, our heart gets in the way and intuition kind of, but see what happens is that betrayal blindness, even though it's meant to serve us because it's supposed to protect us to excuse things away. What winds up happening, Rick, is when D-Day comes doing, you know, the big, huge discovery day of, you know, some type of betrayal. Now what you have to do is you're not only trying to heal from the betrayal itself, but now you got to heal that you disassociated your own self from your intuition. Mm. And that's betrayal blindness. It's what, and this is where I hear all the time, how could I be so stupid? Well, yep. how could I be so blind? Why I was, and I always tell people, absolutely not. You cannot hold yourself responsible and accountable for believing in love. Mm-hmm. You were duped. Mm-hmm. You were deceived. You're not stupid. Is- you're not this. You're not that. This is such a big piece of the puzzle that I see all the time is here. I have a guy coming out of the closet. He's been in a heterosexual marriage, all this sort of stuff. And then the next thing he's telling me is like, well, my wife is like, well, how did I not see this? How did I? I'm like, really? I know I actually, and it's interesting. A lot of guys have given their wives clues early, early on. I told my wife, Hey, this is something I struggled with. You know, it's fine now. I, you know, I love you. And da, da. right there is the big pink flag. This is not done, right? And it's such an interesting thing. But the this is a good example too of the betrayal blindness. You've you've seen it, you've heard it, but you don't want to pay attention to it. And so many people, guys and gals who come out of the closet late in life, have shared similar stories. Like, yeah, I kind of alluded to this with my spouse, but you know, I didn't want to really reveal all because there, there's our own betrayal of ourselves right there. Cause we're trying to protect what we think is the thing we're supposed to be doing the most. Right. And it's kind of like somebody being in a job that like, well, it's not the greatest, but you know, I'm going to stick around. There's a betrayal to self that says, why? Well, because I don't think I can get another job or I'm not going to, whatever it is. And I think this is where the work that you do shows up in so many facets of life. And suddenly people are like, oh, this is happening all the time. And then they, the light bulbs probably go off. It may be for a relationship that you're working with them on. I know in my work, there's guys that are coming out of the closet. And then the next thing I'm like, well, you know what else I'm not happy about? I'm like, oh, would you like me to pull out my list of what other clients have said? Your job, your weight, you know, the, the friends you have. There's so many things that you've been doing because you've been betraying yourself and it's a fascinating world to play in. Yeah. And I'll tell you something, even people that don't quote drop any hints or anything like that. I, I, I will hear from partners a lot. I had no clue of a, B and C, but I knew something was off. Right. I didn't know what it was. I knew something. And now what they have to contend with is why didn't I do a deeper dive into finding out what that something Mm -hmm. was. And that goes back to betrayal blindness, because you knew if you were to investigate and get to the bottom of what was off, it might implode your life, meaning yep. divorce and the kids going to your house every other weekend and, you know, having to sell your house and all that. So what we rather do is, no, let me just stay in the relationship and be blind. Mm-hmm. And, and, and being that. blind can be a comfort zone, to be honest. I mean, that for there's, a lot of us. Ignorance is bliss, but but it doesn't yeah. bring you true, authentic mm-hmm. happiness. Mm-hmm. No, I mean, I, no. I, I hid through 13 years of marriage and I, I, I loved my wife. I mean, there wasn't, you know, there was a form of love there. I didn't really have an issue having sex with her. It wasn't like my, it didn't happen. But when I really now can sit back and look at that whole experience and go, I was just phoning it in. I was just getting, you know, doing what everybody else expected of me. And then again, back to the moment when, yes, it was a huge explosion. You know, the blinders came off and everything exploded, right? And imploded. But at the same time, everything got much more vibrant and brilliant and exciting and truthful. And it was a big lesson that I learned about betraying my truth. And I I talk about this on stage a lot. Like, you know, the betrayal of oneself is where it all starts so many times and whether it's not acknowledging a spouse is doing something or you're betraying yourself from a work promotion or other things when you can can become in tune with who you are then things i'm gonna say i don't think i don't think jay's and i either one goes oh this is easy just wave a magic wand and it happens but the exploration of what is it that you're betraying what are you holding yourself back from is really some powerful stuff to go do 
So you had a children's book you put out around, uh, you know, all this. I am loved right where I am, a betrayal trauma journal, you know, from tears to transformation. Why did you start with the children's book? Okay, so uh, two things. Let me just say this. Um, Before I was a coach, I was a teacher. I was a certified special education instructor, certified K through eight. Um, and before that, because you said uh, of an actor, I was actually an actor. That's mm. why I was in New York City. I was, um, you know, doing things like Sex on the City and came out with a dance album and did my little mm. stint there. Cool. But basically, the, so this is what happened. They're actually two separate things. When I, I was teaching school, I, I, I taught in the, um, very, very inner city schools. They're like, if we didn't buy products for our classroom, we didn't have materials for our classroom. Um so uh, I remember uh, I worked in New York City for a little while after acting, um, teaching, and then we moved to D.C. And I was teaching in D.C. And uh, basically the school that I taught in were um, they were they were elementary kids, but it was the last resort before they were completely kicked out of school and possibly into a, a home. Um, I, I dealt with severe behavior uh, issues and problems. Anyways, I remember one time I was talking to another teacher, kind of venting or complaining there's no books that represent the kids that I teach. Now, I didn't mean from like a racial standpoint or or gay standpoint or not like that. But when I first started teaching, 90% of my students came from a home with mom and dad. Well, as I was ending the end of my teaching career, only 10% of my students came home from a mom and dad. They all came from, you know, an older sibling or an aunt right. or an uncle or a foster parent or a grandparent. And um, I wanted a book that reflected that. And I went to the director and there was like, there's no money for that, you know? And so I was just sitting in the cafeteria one time and I was like, duh, make one, write one. So that's what I did. And so um, I created a book and it was, I am loved right where I am. And basically what it tells kids is it doesn't matter if you have two moms, a mom and a dad, a foster parent, if you're living with your uncle, your aunt, your grandparent, you name it, that's where you are. That's where you're loved. And I want you to feel belonged. Kids need a sense of belonging. So that was that. Um, it, it's been doing great. It's on Amazon. It's wonderful. Now, years later, um, while I was doing all of this betrayal uh, work, that's when I came up with a betrayal trauma journal. So that's nice. actually two separate things. Yeah, yeah. So and what this is, is I wanted a prompting journal because mm-hmm. so many times when I'm talking to clients, I'm like, do you journal? And they're like, well, what do I write? Um, and obviously I, I could guide them on what to write, but finally I decided one day, you know what, let me write a journal that gives you prompts. So now you know what to write. And I did this specifically for 90 days, three months, because I've learned working with clients that it's about the three month period. If they implement the techniques that I recommend, it's about the three month period where they're out of fight or flight mm-hmm. They're they're They could, after the 90 day period, if they implement the recommendations, tips and techniques that I recommend. That's when I find that they're like, you know what? I think my nose can be above water. Yep. I, mean, I still need to know how to swim. I, I still don't feel safe, but I think my nose can be out of water. And then the second thing I have coming up, and this is way in the future, is I do want to write a, bo- a, bo- uh, a book um, and call it something in the line, along the lines of um, the blessings of trauma. Mm-hmm. Because a lot of people don't understand um, there's nothing good about trauma and certainly betrayal trauma that hurts you to the core, mind, body, and soul. But if you take the silver lining from the lessons that you learned, oh my gosh, you go from hurt to hero. Yes. So there's a lot of blessings from dealing with your trauma. I mean, look at Victor Frankel and Corey Ten Boom and Nelson Mandela. I mm. mean, the whole reason they got out of they were able to get out of their mental prison after their physical prison is because they looked at the silver linings mm-hmm. of their lessons from their trauma. If not, they would still be mentally in prison even after they, re- they were released. Yes. Well, and I feel like for many gay men in any age of life, but as we enter into these 40s, 50s, 60s, 70s, it can be really easy to slip into that mental space of, okay, I don't have a guy. Where am I in my world? And a lot of that is going to come from the traumas of life. And I I love that you said earlier, like, it's a continuum. (laughs) Trauma is never going to not be a part of our world. I mean, every day we see images, whether it's about school shootings or whatever it may be, or, you know, tornadoes and all this other stuff. Trauma is part of our world. 
It's how we choose to respond to it that makes the difference. And I think for many gay men, especially guys that have either, oh, okay, I'm finally going to settle down and like getting get a guy. And then there's trauma. They're like, I can't find a man. I can't find a man. So then now there's trauma happening with that. Or they've been in yeah. a longer term relationship and suddenly, you know, many gay men who've committed to like, hey, we're together and we've been together a long time. Suddenly it just, you know, 10, 15, 20 years later, it all goes by the wayside. I feel like for many of the listeners, this is a valuable conversation to like start to think about not only the betrayal that's showing up, but the trauma that you haven't worked with and haven't worked to heal. Because either way, when you can confront both of those things and it's not just like, oh, cool, let's let's confront. There we go. One and done. No, it's not that. Yeah. But giving yourself permission to go, go, OK, yes. Let's finally go in here scary hard whatever you want to call it if you can go into a dark room and get sucked off let's be real guys <laughs> really you can go do that and it's not scary hard but whatever this is the stuff that changes your life in such a powerful completely. way completely i'm going to tell you something um a couple things um do me a favor cross your arms can you cross your arms yep yep okay are, are you relatively comfortable sure yep relatively okay now cross them the other way Okay. Which way are you more comfortable? The first way, because that's my natural way okay. of going into it. Yeah. So here's the deal. If you want to heal from trauma, you can stop. If you want to heal from trauma, you got to get comfortable being uncomfortable. Mm -hmm. Because if you don't feel it, you can't heal it. And a lot, we are, we are created to, oh my God, there's pain. Run from it. Yep. No. What we have to do is we see the storm. We got to run towards the storm, which by the way, I don't know if you know this or not. Buffalo are the only animal that run towards the storm. All the other animals run away. So we got to <laughs> become Buffalo. We got to run towards the storm really quickly. I just want to say a couple of things because I don't know what kind of time we got. Number one, Rick, I just want to say this, Do you know, and this is off the subject of anything we're talking about. I'm going to tell you one of the things my heart bleeds for my, my heart bleeds for the older gay generation that have Rick, I could almost cry talking about this. They couldn't even go out for a beer after a yes. hard day's work without being clubbed over the head. Yes. Jailed, their picture in a paper, their job stripped from them. I can't even believe what my heroic gay brothers and sisters uh, have have done for me let alone the younger generation. And it breaks yep. my heart that the younger generation, generation takes so for granted mm -hmm. the, um, the, the, the abuse and yes. the toxicity yep. and the trauma that the older gay generation has endured um, to give us an open door to be free. And when I mean us, I mean me, but also the younger generation. Mm -hmm. You know, um, uh, I joined the military years ago and you know, there was the whole, you don't say gay or whatever that yeah. nonsense is. And um, uh, I was talking to people and I said, listen, what this is allowing gays in the military is all it simply is, is this is allowing somebody who happens to be gay to have a picture of their family on their desk. Like yep. their next door neighbor has in their cubicle, a picture of their family on their desk. That's it. Without in fear of being fired. Yes. And it saddens me that the older generation of the gay population could not do that. They could not uh, authentically live with somebody they loved because they forced themselves to get married because that was mm -hmm. the quote, the status quo. They mm -hmm. could not go um, out for a drink and, and enjoy and relax and have a beer in fear of getting, you know, arrested and beaten with a with a billy. I mean, my God, it's so sickening, so sickening um, yep. what my my heroic gay brothers and sisters had to go through mm -hmm. and i really wish the younger generation gay population really um appreciated that a lot more. well yeah okay. embraced yeah. it and loved it because it is huge i mean just i mean just the trauma of the aids epidemic alone i don't think anybody realizes it and i i mean i'm, I'm not going to get huge on my soapbox here but you know without that whole thing happening we would not be where we are today as a, as a culture because no. that led to so many things that are now why we get to be who we are and how we show up in the world as LGBTQ individuals. It's yeah. very simple. Which, I, wish, I wish more younger people would kind of go back and really spend some time imagining 
what it was like in the 80s when suddenly this thing is happening. And, you know, I guess monkeypox kind of gave them a little bit of insight to it to some degree, but not on the ramifications of what we endured through that. I mean, the reason I even went in the closet and, and got married, it's not the only reason, was I was so sexually naive at that time. All I knew, and my dad's oldest brother was one of the very first to be diagnosed and pass away from HIV AIDS. All I could think is that's going to happen to me. That's going to happen. So just go do the thing. Just go do what you need to do. Now, I have said this numerous times. I'm going to say it again. I do believe that saved my life because I was too sexually naive at that time that I probably would have done something really stupid because I would have been so rebellious. So I'm grateful. Yeah. But I also respect so much of what transpired in that time. Yeah. Yeah. Um, uh, you know, I, it's interesting to say that I, I came out when I was 12. I, I would consider that early now, nowadays, maybe it's not early, but right. back years ago, that was not, I came out when I was 12 and I remember as a late teen talking to my aunt who was very, very, very conservative and out of the loop with, you know, life itself. And not that I have anything against conservatives. I'm, I'm a conservative myself, to be honest with you, but she's just out of the loop with what's going on in the world. And um, I remember, you know, telling her she was we were having a discussion. She found out that I was gay and immediately she was like, honey, I'm so sorry. Are you OK? She assumed I had AIDS. Mm-hmm. Like she assumed mm-hmm. the minute you were gay, you automatically had AIDS. And I was yep. like, oh, my Lord, are you serious? So anyway, so so I, I could see how. But listen, Rick, this is what I wanted to say, too. So basically, one of the things that infuriates me is when a younger generation gets on their computer and starts gay bashing on social media. And one of the things I want to tell them is, do you realize you have the privilege of being on a computer right now, thanks to a gentleman named Alan Turing, who created the first concept of what we understand now as a computer. So um, what's unfortunate is that a lot of times the only thing that people are hearing about gay people is what their social circles are telling them when there's such a wider audience of the tremendous contributions, Mm -hmm. the tremendous advances, both legally and medicinally and elsewhere that the gay community has made. But yet nobody knows, even people in our own community. Yep. Yes, it's so not really, all, I don't know it's not all hairstylists, drag queens and dykes. Let's just go there. It's not I mean, there's so much that people I mean, I the younger generation I, and I've only had a couple of these kind of conversations, but I, I said something to a young person not long ago about, well, you know, I'm, I'm getting ready to record a podcast and it's going to it's actually going to air on, you know, the day of Stonewall. What's Stonewall? I'm like, really? Really? You're a young, now I get it that they're not taught this stuff. So you kind of have to go excavate it yourself, but it's really sad because without that, a lot of this wouldn't even be here today. You know, I said something to a friend of mine who's not gay. We were talking just in generalities. And I said, you know, I don't think people can see what's happening today as being very similar to what they, and I'm talking in general in society like just the like trying to put other cultures and stuff down and you know the culture wars that are happening i said the gay community lived through this for hundreds of years we couldn't even be seen in public really i'm like yes really we had to hide this i said do you even realize that there there are still places in our country where you can get fired because you're gay really yes you can well how can they get away with it? i said they can I said, they'll find a way. But I said, if somebody doesn't want to do this, and this is the thing that I think, again, back to the whole trauma and betrayal, these are the moments in life where you just want to say, can people just wake up and see things? These are the things that bring the trauma in full, full flare all over again. But I'm glad that you have the voice that you have and the work that you're doing to help people move forward in these things. Because when we admit, I think part of it, and I... I hid some of my own trauma. I'm going to be really honest about that because it was shameful because to say the trauma and I will wrap it up by like me just kind of telling this quick story. I don't know that I've really ever told it on this podcast, but I was standing in front of a group of students in a um, sexuality course, doing my thing, talking to them about my story, all this sort of stuff. And for some reason, Jay, it just, I felt really compelled to go to the point where I'm like, so let me, put away a misnomer about us gay people. 
I was sexually awakened. You notice I say the word sexually awakened when I was seven years old by an older relative. Here's the thing. That did not make me gay. I already was having those thoughts. Like, why do I find men so attractive? And why do I always like try to look at guys in the bathroom and all that? And I'm not talking guys my own age. I was looking at men. And then this thing happened and it all made sense. But I decided to share that one night in a talk and I'm like, wow, I don't know why I went there, but I was so glad I did because it gave it a different perspective. It showed them where we are, but it was a trauma. It was a trauma I had never really talked about. And this person has like, you know, tried to make amends and stuff and they have. Unfortunately, they're one of those people who can't let shit go. I'm like, you do not need to call me every five years and tell me you're sorry. We're done. We've already heard that, you know, but I think it's one of those things that we, we have something like that happen. It gets carried forward. It keeps getting carried forward. And until we start realizing that, as I said earlier, and you and I have discussed trauma is a part of life. It will always be here. It will always be something that we all have to contend with. And we get to journey through together and you find the right support and help and you can make things happen. So, um, yeah. I'm glad you said that because pebbles do make mountains and raindrops make seas. All the little information does add up. It's just like, mm-hmm. I remember one time, you know, when we were going through the process of adoption, somebody said to me, well, don't you have concerns? You're two dads um, raising a child. Don't you think your child might grow up and be gay? And I said, well, I was raised with a mom and dad. So why, why am I not straight? I mean, right. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. It's that same stuff. So, well, Jay, so glad to have you here, man. So glad to have had this conversation. Love the work you're doing. So real quick, your website is mrjrelationshipcoach.com, correct? Yep. Yep. Yeah. And, and, and I'll just tell you real quick, you know, I, I am a betrayal trauma practitioner. I, I work with people with, with trauma, you know, that's whatever. But even if people never want to talk to me, make an appointment with me, hear from me, that's great, fine and dandy. I have so many free resources on my website. So yes. just please come and take advantage of my re- yes. resources. Please do, because I I mean, I was looking around your website. I'm like, oh, my gosh, there's so much here to help in any way that you want. And I'm kind of the same way. Like, you never even have to have a conversation with you. I have. I have people that this is all they get. They listen to these podcasts and they're like, this is so helpful. I'm like, cool. I'd love to work with you if you want to work with me, but I don't expect it. Everybody. And I'm not everybody's cup of tea. I know that's really hard. That's a trauma. I'm still trying to work with, (laughs) but, um, but I hope this has been helpful. And guys, if you want to reach out to Jay and work with him, I mean, just, you know, never second guess the value of allowing yourself to work through your trauma because on the other side is when you find, well, I'm going to say you find some rainbows and unicorns. Let's just go there. So um, you anyway. do. Thank you, Rick. Well, Jay, once again, thank you, man, for being here and sharing yourself. I really appreciate the conversation, buddy. Anytime. That's a wrap for 40 plus gay men, gay talk, where size doesn't matter. We drop our bullshit, get over our screwed up fears, make bold moves and live life without apologies. Don't forget to join us on Facebook at 40 Plus Gay Men Gay Talk, where the conversations continue.